for everyone that came in and we would have an oil change special. That would be the driving force. Top of funnel, bring people in, give them a really good discount on oil changes. They're trusting us and they're also giving us an opportunity to give them a safety inspection and do a once over on their whole vehicle. That's how we gain their trust. CEOs often feel stuck in the grind of scaling their business and feel like they're missing out on the best parts of life, like family, friends, or travel. On this podcast, CEOs come to take themselves and their companies to the next level. Let's dive into the millionaire mind with your host, Dallin Schultz. Hey folks, just wanted to add a quick little disclaimer. We do have a little bit of audio glitching in this episode. And just want to let you know that our team works really, really hard to provide a quality product. But at the end of the day, sometimes there's technical issues and we did our best to improve it. But just so you know, you are going to hear a little bit of that through this episode. I promise you, it's not going to disrupt the message and you're still going to find a tremendous amount of value. So thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us and enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome back to another Millionaire Mind episode where I have some of the most successful business owners sharing what motivates them to get out of bed every morning and how they elevate themselves and their companies to the next level. Some of my favorite entrepreneur stories from those that emigrated over here to the US and realized the opportunity around them and then capitalized on it. Our guest today came to the States when he was only four years old and through his upbringing and his entrepreneurial spirit was able to start multiple successful businesses around the automotive industry. So really looking forward to our interview today and a special welcome to our guest, Stan with Parts Pass. Stan, thanks for joining us today. I appreciate it, Dallin. Thanks for having me. So Stan, why don't you take a couple minutes and just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what you do and what Parts Pass is. Yeah. So for the past 18 years, I've worked as a owner, operator, service advisor here in Phoenix, Arizona and in New York City alongside with my father. And it wasn't about seven years ago now that I had a light bulb go off in my head that software is at a point where we can utilize it to our full potential. And I started my first venture, Arts Detect, which was a B2B platform that allowed mechanics like myself and my father to search and order parts so much quicker. We solved a huge problem there, a problem that once took me 30 minutes to find a replacement part. And we've simplified it to 10 seconds. So previous to this software, what was the typical process of looking up a part for a mechanic? With so many different suppliers that we have, some of them include AutoZone, Napa, CarQuest, O'Reilly's, I would have to call each one of these suppliers and I had a script and the script was, here's the year, the make, the model, the engine size. Do you have this part? How much is it? What's the warranty? And what the availability is. And that whole process would often lead me to spending over 20 minutes per car sourcing replacement parts. And that's because I would be placed on hold. A wrong part would be sent over, which I would have to send back. And that whole bottleneck was just so frustrating that I said, there has to be a solution. And there wasn't. And thankfully, I put together a team and we started knocking on doors of the big five, the AutoZones, the the car quests, the parts authorities of the world. And we created a minimal viable product, an MVP, that allowed us to showcase exactly what we're trying to solve and what the solution would look like. And one by one, these huge, massive enterprises started signing up with us and started becoming partners. That's absolutely incredible. And some of the 
coolest experiences I've heard of business ideas came from just that. It came from people in the space just realizing that the current status quo or process just sucked and there had to have been a better way. And it's those that decided to capitalize on it and take that action that really had an opportunity to experience it. And this was something firsthand you were frustrated with. You were the one placing those calls and sitting on hold for 20 to 30 minutes sometimes, weren't you? Yeah, day in and day out. And you know what? I took it one step further and I calculated for a year how much time I actually spent behind a desk, attached to a phone, (laughs) and I put a dollar amount on that, right? So it was about $46,000 in potential profits that that we lost. And I did the calculations even more so. How many repair shops are there in the US? How many of them are small mom and pop shops? And I did the calculations of how many vehicles a small repair shop like myself, we would do about five cars a day. So it's about an hour of, of time wasted. Times that by the 360,000 shops in the, across the country. And that's a billion dollar problem. And we solved oh it with parts detect. That's incredible. So um, so I, I interrupted you a little bit earlier, but that 30 minutes to what you said, 10 seconds just blew my freaking mind. So I had to, I had to expand on that a little bit. So Talk a little bit more about uh, the parts to de- detect. You said this was a B2B model. So expand a little bit more on what that was. Yeah. So for mechanics, again, the solution was very simple. You select the part that you need. And we had a VIN decoder that allowed people to take a picture of the VIN number and it'll decode it. Right. Or you can have a traditional drop down menu or a part number cross reference. So we gave a lot of different options. And then the user would enter the part that they needed. And then we would go out there through API calls and aggregate all that information, essentially creating a marketplace, right? So I would be able to see on one single search, literally in 10 seconds, which supplier had that part in stock, what the price point was, what the warranty was, and about five to six different images. Then the user can place an order directly from the app. We would send that order directly to the supplier, and then they would fulfill that on our behalf. And the transaction was complete. And people have been doing this old model of ordering parts for years. It's a challenge because mechanics are stubborn people. (laughs) And for them to be taught a new habit and pull them away from their old habit is extremely difficult because the typical conversation that I would have with these, because I went door to door sales right here in Phoenix, I would knock on a door of a mechanic shop and I would say, hey, check out this free app. Tell me about how you're ordering parts right now. There's a free solution. Do you want it? And they would be very skeptical in the beginning. But once they saw how it works, they would sign up right in front of me. The challenge, however, there is that since we were catered to mechanics, they had to have certain credentials that they would have to input for every single supplier, Mm. right? Because as a repair shop, you would have a tier structure. The more you order, the deeper the savings you get. And to reflect that, they would have their own customer ID number and a phone number directly tied into that local part supplier. So each one of the suppliers, and we had five or six, each one of those had their own different credentials, which proved to be a bottleneck even more so, right? So we had hundreds of users, thousands of dollars in transactions. But again, connecting mechanics to this platform proved to be a bottleneck of its own. So what I did then was a little bit of a pivot, I would say, right? So we launched Arts Pass for do-it-yourselfers, and essentially mechanics can utilize the platform as well. 
And the reason why is that we provide better quality name brand parts at wholesale pricing. No more credentials, no more confirmations or authentications of any kind of accounts. Anyone and everyone can download this app, search for parts, and have it delivered within 48 hours. So you just expanded your reach significantly because it, it was no longer B2B just to mechanics. You are now expanding it to anyone and everyone that needed parts for vehicles. Correct. And before we even took initiative to move forward on that, I wanted to make sure we had three things in place, which is a better use case, a better customer experience, price structure that couldn't be beat, and quality parts that are not third tier, for example, right, or second tier, things that actually have value, name brand parts. And we successfully checked the mark on each one of those, and we knew we had something special. So we put the development team together and we moved forward. Gosh, and all this, you said all this started with Parts Detect about seven years ago, correct? That's right. Yeah. Sitting in my office, beating my head against the table saying, I need a solution. This can't be the only way. (laughs) And as I started Parts Detect, more and more technicians that I came across said, I was thinking about doing the same exact thing. I wanted to do this. And again, it's all about putting actions in place, right? Everyone has an idea. And I used to say that an idea is like an armpit. Everyone has them and most of them stink, right? So (laughs) that's a very uh, moderate version of what I've heard previously. (laughs) But but no, I I agree 100%. Right. That's what separates the haves and the have-nots, the people that are actually going to take one step at a time to move towards the North Star in a sense. Isn't that interesting? Because I'm sure we've all been here where we see a new product or we see a new software or we see a new business and we tell ourselves like, I thought of that 10 years ago. Or like, I'm sure we've all found ourselves in that position. And it goes to show you how ideas are flowing continuously through everyone and a lot of people, but there's only a select few that will actually act upon it and take charge. And those are your entrepreneurs and your business owners that are willing to take on the risk and the fear of the unknown. And it's usually through different enough headaches or enough times of hitting their head against the wall or the desk with that problem where they're like, I got to figure it out. Or maybe they reach a breaking point. Maybe there's a significant event or something that happens in their life that triggers enough, a strong enough emotion and desire and drive to get after it. So well, Stan, this parts detect, parts pass, really, I mean, the business started seven years ago, but the headaches and stuff started way before that. But let's take it back. Like, when did this entrepreneur journey really begin for Stan? You know, it, for me, it was just watching my father mainly. My dad was a well-established entrepreneur in our old country, in the Soviet Union. And when the Soviet Union came crumbling down, it was an opportunity for us to leave. Some might say against their own will, but nevertheless, my father saw an opportunity and he knew that he wanted to leave. So being a well-established entrepreneur, my father had multiple vehicles and multiple apartment complexes and businesses, which he had to leave behind. And he didn't get a chance to cash out because everything was owned by the government. So we came to the US in 1990 with $400, my father, my mom, and two kids, and $400 in their pocket. And we lived with family members in a one-bedroom apartment 
for a couple of months. So it was eight of us in a one bedroom, probably 650 square foot apartment. Uh, my father needed to go into the workforce to figure out how am I going to supply for my family. And so he had a couple of different jobs where he just said, I can't do this. One of them being a hot dog vendor. Fun fact, hot dog vendors in New York make buttloads of money, man. I had no idea. I, I mean, the guys on the corners are making hundreds of thousands of dollars and it's nuts. Who would have known, right, for a hot dog? But my dad said, no way, no how. But he understood how cars worked. And one of the businesses that he had was a auto repair shop. So he started working late night at a taxi garage in Brooklyn, New York. We were living in Queens at the time, Queens, New York. And he really submersed himself into that. And after four years of working for somebody, he finally opened up his first garage. Small, but nevertheless, it was his own. And through junior high school or middle school, I started working alongside my dad at the repair shop and I hated it. I hated everything about it, right? I hated the noise, the smell, the dirt, the customers, the frustration. Let's be honest, it's not the most pleasant experience. But I worked alongside him because I wanted to help my dad. And through high school, I started getting more of an appreciation for it because people were coming to us for help, for guidance, for for a way out of the typical... When your car shuts down, it's like your world comes to us to a halt in a sense, right? So I saw an opportunity to really connect with people, connect with the community. And I started loving the automotive industry. And it's been so kind to us. And we've done pretty well for ourselves. What's interesting is you grew up in this environment, you found things you didn't like, but there was also opportunities to help further the business in different areas that aligned more with what energized you and what I would consider are some of your strengths. And I was really connecting with people in that sense. I want to take it back here a minute. So you mentioned how you guys moved from the Soviet, the former Soviet Union. Your father was an entrepreneur. He had apartment buildings. He had vehicles. He had to leave it all behind because the government owned it all. Invite our listeners a little bit into that world because most people listening to this live here in the States. So when you hear, hey, they own apartments and they own vehicles, they own those apartments and vehicles. And this idea of the government owning it is not, I mean, sure, we have our taxes and stuff, but invite us into that world a little bit. Help our listeners really understand kind of why your dad just had to leave all that behind. So for my father, he was, again, in that part of the world, money talks. So he had the local police under his pay, I guess you can say, right? So there's things that you can do and then there's things that you can do in the background. So my father orchestrated his businesses in the sense where he would take care of the locals. And so the locals understood who he was. So he had an opportunity to grow, but at the same time, he was never egotistical in any sense, right? So people respected him until this day, friends of his that also came from the Soviet Union respect my father just because of his history. So I guess when it came to that point where he had to leave everything behind, there was no second guessing it. There was no, should I, should I not? My dad knew that there would be revolutions happening there and resistances continue to grow every 10 years. He's lived through that. He didn't want that for his own kids. So he said, you know what? I've done this once before. I can do it again, especially in America. And the crazy thing is that my parents were spoon-fed all this propaganda of how awful America was, that they had no food, people are poor, the economy is just awful. And we had a family member that actually moved to America 
about six years before we did. And he started writing letters to us saying how incredible America was and how we were lied to. And you need to bring your whole family to America and I will sponsor you guys and I will get you visas. And my father believed him and he took the initiative step to file the documents and pay whoever needed to be paid so we can expedite the process. And thankfully, we live in the best country in the world, hands down. So I look up to my father, who's my hero. Same time, I think that the American dream is still very much alive. That's incredible. So what would you say, watching your father go through this and, and you experiencing it yourself, what's probably one of the major differences between entrepreneur in a country like that, former Soviet Union, versus being an entrepreneur here in the United States? I think for an entrepreneur, you have to be resilient and you have to go against the forces that are against you. So in the US, I think there's just much more opportunities hands down, whereas different parts of the world, you have the forces against you, but you also have the locals against you. There's no encouragement. There's no support at all. And in that part of the world, money talks. But at the same time, if you cross the wrong road, you're in a big, big situation that you can't just avoid right here. It's the freedom is what we really value here. And it's just not a place you want to be. Wow. I think more people need to maybe travel a little bit more outside the States and, and explore and see how fortunate we truly are here. So, and man, I mean, that just says a lot about your father as well. Being able to take that leap of faith to start in that process to move your family over because of one family member. And you mentioned that they were fed all this propaganda about how poor America was, the economies in the tank, all that stuff. What was the reason for that? Why were they feeding people in your country in that area that information? Yeah, keep in mind, this is pre-internet. So for them, I think it's just keeping people small-minded. I think control is such a big factor around the world as it is. But in parts of like third world countries, it's even more so just so the 1% can live their lavish lives and not worry about people pointing their finger and saying the grass is greener on the other side, right? Our government is not supporting us, is not providing, and that's the duty of the government. So I think that's one of the biggest takeaways there. Interesting. And unfortunately, we see that today. We see it everywhere. <laughs> I mean, that's a whole conversation for another episode, right? We can get into all the, right. the whole yes. political stuff. But man, what an incredible leap of faith that your father took for himself and for his family. And there's eight of you living in a 650 square foot one bedroom apartment. The very first apartment my wife and I lived in when we got married, we had our first child in there, 650 square feet. I felt like we were on top of each other. So what do you guys, did you have to like create these bunk beds or were you just like laying all over each Like how did that, what was that experience like? We would sleep in the living room and then the adults would sleep in the bedroom. So my parents and I and our family slept in the living room and then the family that we stayed with, the parents slept in the bedroom and then the kids would sleep in the living room with us. And my father was always working as soon as he touched down, he was looking for an opportunity to go to work and my mom enrolled herself in schooling so she can speak the native tongue. Again, for kids, I think we had such a great time because we're in a completely new world for us. My parents endured most of the stress because they're trying to figure out how can we provide? How do I get a house? How do I get food, clothing? How do I get a means of transportation? I need a vehicle, right? So they endured most of the stress. But for kids, we didn't know we were poor. We didn't know anything. We just had enough. We would go to the park downstairs and 
just hanging out with the locals. So for us, we just didn't see any of that. I think it was a blessing in disguise. And you said you moved over when you were four years old. Do you have any any early memories of that experience? I'm assuming you didn't speak English. No, not a lick. <laughs> My grandparents, they managed to get a place for themselves just because they're senior citizens. So when they came here with us, they were fortunate enough to get a place for them. So I just remember vaguely spending more time with my grandparents and staying with them because my father was away at work and my mom was at school. So we were also raised by by our grandparents, which again, was super valuable because we had so much food and so much laughter and it was just a good time. They made the best of it. Awesome. Awesome. Well, listen, Sam, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And then when we come back, I want to start talking about your involvement in the business and helping that family business grow and some lessons that you learned early on that really helped set you up to launch Parts Detect, which then later became Parts Pass. So we'll be back after a few short moments. Hey folks, I got my good friend Julie Holly here to share with you something exciting she has coming up here in a few weeks that I myself will be participating in. And I was actually able to talk to my wife into joining me as well. So super excited for it coming up. But Julie, go ahead and tell us a little bit about your event you have coming up. Awesome. The Conscious Investor Growth Summit is coming up and it is really the charcuterie of all events. Instead of drilling down into one isolated topic or asset class like self-storage, multifamily, crypto, you know, whatever, mindset, health, we're wrapping it all in one. And this is a powerful opportunity for you to like just nourish and replenish. And to Dallin's point, bring your spouse, bring your partner along. We're talking about everything from tax strategies, building credit, buying businesses, investing in assisted living facilities and other real estate to gut health and having our health as our wealth, being hyper-focused, making mental breakthroughs. It's really that place. It's the refueling station. And what is best, it's in the gorgeous Coeur d'Alene, Idaho at the resort right there on the lake. So you break free from the hustle of the metro areas so you can enjoy nature, walk on the beach because it's right there at the door or take a trail run. So you're really able to break free and renew yourself completely. Definitely looking forward to it. So folks, go to ConsciousInvestorGrowthSummit.com. Check it out. You'll see what we're talking about. And Julie has some incredible discounts going on for our community. So if you use my first name, Dallin, D-A-L-L-O-N, as a promo code, you'll see those incredible offers that she has for you. Awesome. Thanks, Julie. We look forward to seeing you in a few weeks. And we'll get back to our show. All right. Welcome back to Millionaire Mind. So Stan, share with our listeners... And again, appreciate you sharing that experience of just coming over some of those early memories, stuff that some of us probably can't even fathom. We've never gone through it. So appreciate you inviting us into your world and, and opening our eyes to many immigrants and people have gone through. But they're also some of the most appreciative people I've met before because they've been, they've lived in different countries, they've been in different areas and have really experienced what America can offer them. But share with us a little bit about, you said you hated growing up in the automotive industry. You're doing all the dirty work. You didn't want anything to do with it. But then you found ways to really apply yourself and help that business grow. So share with our listeners a little bit about what that really started looking like and how this desire, you really grew into this desire and found this role to help grow the family business. Yeah. For me, it's a lot to do with perception and perspective. Right. So you can have any job, any career out there, but it really relies on the person and on how they feel or how they look 
at their life as a whole, right? So for me, it was in the beginning, it was just like a daunting task. I had to wake up, I had to go put in my eight hours at work and then come home and then I would relax. Over time, that has changed significantly because first of all, I'm spending time with my father and I'll be the first to say it's very difficult to run a business with a family member, especially with your dad, right? Because my father is pretty stubborn when it comes to certain things, let's be honest there. But also my perception of the automotive industry completely changed because I saw it as I'm in a position where I can help people, especially towards their second largest purchase, which is a vehicle, the first being their home, right? So it's only natural that you get really emotional and distressed when your car breaks down or you need some sort of repair. So that kind of changed things for me as well. And then the financial part of it as well, because people really don't have you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars just laying around that they can spend on a certain repair. So for me, it also put me in a position where I can help them and break it down. Let's let's do a payment plan, for example, or let's really focus on urgency and then create some sort of a plan of execution of what needs to be done over the next six months, for example, right? So that became so rewarding. And the daunting tasks of going to work became something that I started really looking forward to. And I would wake up energized, ready to go to work and looking forward to the customers and the clients that would be coming into our shop. That's incredible. And how did, maybe I'm speaking for myself here. I don't think this way anymore because I've gotten to know people for who they are, but we've all probably been in a position where there's an issue with the car. We take it in, it gets fixed, and then something else happens right after. And we're like, oh, the mechanic sabotaged us. Again, an assumption here, broad generalization. I feel like that's how a lot of people feel and think about mechanics, which is unfortunate because there's a lot of good people like you out there that are really trying to serve and to help out. So what were some of the strategies that you and your father implemented to really set yourself apart as a reputable shop and mechanic? Yeah, you're absolutely right. The stigma for mechanics is that they're always trying to sell me something that I don't need. And it's very much true. I'm not going to deny that. But for us, we wanted to change things around. And my father is believed in show and tell, right? So we implemented this rule, show and tell. Education has to be on the front line. And that's how you build relationships, especially if you're a community-based business, brick-and-mortar business. We had a 10-mile radius of customers. So if we went the route of the priority here is just monetization and we need to take every penny that we can from a customer we wouldn't be in business because we would have that reputation. So early on, my father instilled this show and tell knowledge first, and that allowed us to grow in the community and outside of the community as well. So we really instilled that early on. So we looked at it as an opportunity for everyone that came in and we would have an oil change special, right? So that would be the driving force, top of funnel, bring people in, give them a really good discount on oil changes. They're trusting us and they're also giving us an opportunity to give them a safety inspection and do a once over on their whole vehicle. And so we would not take that lightly, right? So we're looking at it as they're coming to our shop, they trust us with changing their oil, their filter. And after that, we'd raise the vehicle, do inspection, and then bring the customer actually to the garage, point certain things out. And then that's how we gain their trust. That's not normal. That's not typical. It should be normal. It should be right, but I'm thinking back to all the all the repairs and stuff that I've all the times we've taken the vehicles in, and it's usually a printout when we took it apart. This is what went wrong, and this is what we need to replace. But you're saying you guys would actually take them back in the shop and show them. Absolutely, for us it was just more like okay, 
we know that there is a risk of possibly somebody getting injured, but we would walk with them, right? So we alleviated that for us. It was more important for us to build that relationship and have the consumer understand what services need to be done or where it's leaking from or why there's a misalignment on your tires or your brake pads are really low. And then they would say, okay, that makes sense because people just don't want to have a printout, right? So there's softwares out there right now that allow repair shops to communicate with their customers by taking a picture and then emailing it or text messaging it. That's great. That's definitely on the front line of technology. But before all that happened, again, early on, it's just my father believed in educating people because as stubborn as he is, he was very stubborn in the fact of making sure that his customers knew what needed to be done and why. That right there is a perfect example of how you can take an industry that can might be known to be very transactional and transform it to a transformational relationship business. Just taking those those few extra minutes to take your clients in, to show them around, now they feel important. Now they feel like you actually care about them. And you do, right? Otherwise, you want to be taking that extra time. But what an incredible way to transform people's mindsets in something as a repair shop. I think a big miss that a lot of business owners strike out on, maybe intentionally or unintentionally, lean more towards the transactional side of business when it might only take something small, something as simple as just taking them back and showing them that will help swing them back to that transformational side of business. And that's where reputations are created. That's where business really starts succeeding. And it seems like you and your father had really been able to put that to the test. And I love that, the show and tell. What an incredible way to run any business. You educate, you show, and you tell them. And people recognize that. They know when you're taking time to really help them understand how this thing, this product, this service can benefit them. So, man, what an incredible thing to do. After you guys got this going, you got this reputation moving forward, is this when you started recognizing after years of going sitting on the phone for 20 minutes, you're like, all right, something's got to give. There's got to be a way to improve the experience for us and for our customers. Or was there something that really happened before that led up to this pivotal moment? Yeah, just a couple of years before that. At the time, I was like, I love the auto industry, but I'm just getting a little bored of it. Right? I want to do something different. So I went into real estate. And what I mean by that is I got my real estate license. And I've helped a couple of friends and family members find homes, renovate them and sell them. And I realized, well, it's not something that I want to do, right? And I was like, okay, back to the auto industry I go. Did that for a couple of years. And then I got my mortgage originating license. And I was like, you know what? I'll just write loans. It's fun. Tons of paperwork. And I'll do hard money loans. That's something that I want to get into. I did that for about a year and a half. And I was like, whoa, way too much paperwork. I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> Back to the automotive industry I go, right? So I kind of dabbled in different, different industries, but the auto industry always just kind of pulled me back in. And then I started thinking, what can I do within the auto space that can simplify or find a solution to a problem? And I'm like, which way do I go? Parts procurement. It takes me way too much time to find a replacement part. We need to find a solution. Looked around the internet. There was nothing even remotely close to what we were doing or what I wanted to do, I should say. And then that's when the pen hit the paper. And I was like, we have something here. Let's move forward, bring a team together, invested a little bit of my own money for an MVP, and then just kind of 
momentum took over, the ball started rolling. Awesome. Now, through these other ventures, doing the, the loan originations and the real estate, were there things from those experiences that you learned from that you were able to, that you felt like influenced the creation of Parts Detect? Unfortunately not. There was nothing that I okay. took away from either one of those. And for me, it was just like, just a reminder, you don't like paperwork, just a reminder, you really don't like to deal with people face to face and show them houses. Just a reminder, the automotive space is true and true, your one love. So focus on that. So that right there is a huge takeaway. So even though it may not have influenced the actual decision and creation of parts attacked, it showed you what you didn't want to do. And I think people need to be okay with that. Like there's times and pivots in life that there's going to be forks in the road where you don't know whether you should go left or right. And sometimes you just got to go for it and you'll realize very quickly if it's not what you want to do or not. And that's okay. Worst case scenario, you go back to what you were doing previously that you enjoyed. And so I think that prevents a lot of people from taking those steps and taking those actions further. So let me ask you this, Stan, had you not pursued the real estate and the loan origination, do you think you would have been able to be as committed to launching Parts Detect as you were? Great question. I'm going to say no. I don't think so. Why? Because in the back of my head, I would have always thought what could have been, or if I only tried this, what could have been the outcome, right? So the fact that I had a little bit of flexibility as an owner operated, I was able to go into different industries for a short amount of time and immerse myself in it and learn everything about it and figure out whether or not this is something that I wanted to pursue. And then I would go fall back, right? So it's not failures, but it's more lessons, right? It's invaluable lessons that are being taught in any sector, in any approach that you take. It's something that just makes sense or something that just doesn't. Anyone launching a business will tell you it takes 110% every day, consistently over and over. It's hard to put in that 110% if you have this lingering thought in the back of your mind of what if I try this or what if I try that? Now you start trying to operate and grow a business with the foot in two different worlds. And it's hard to commit and give a business what is required to get it off the ground, to get it moving. So excellent response. I, I appreciated that. Stan, we're coming up on time. I knew this was going to go quick. I knew it was going to go fast. But what's next for you in parts pass? Any big goals, any big milestones that you're aiming for this next year or two? So over the last year, we've been through a learning curve, right? So we launched it on iOS and we had hundreds of thousands of downloads, hundreds of thousands of dollars in transactions. And two months ago, we just land, launched on Android. So we're fully immersed on both platforms, iOS and on Android. And we are currently in our first phase, which is our procurement, fitment, delivery, making sure that the product makes sense and looking for that product market fit. The second phase is something that we're building out and hopefully releasing by the end of Q2 of this year. So mid-2024, we're hoping to launch our membership model. And what does that mean, right? So we did the part fitment really well, and now the membership model comes into play where I think maintenance is such a big factor, especially for do-it-yourselfers. And the huge industry, I think it makes over $47 billion just for do-it-yourselfers in aftermarket auto parts. And people are looking for easier ways to find the parts and tutorials of how to install those parts, right? So that's where we come in with the membership model. We'll give you tutorials, 
installation guides and tips, additional discounts on our parts, free shipping, for example, some other secret sauce features that we have there. But really, essentially, just maintenance is, is a huge thing for us. We'll give you a maintenance log as well, reminders of certain repairs, just putting all that maintenance in a bundle and giving the power in the person who controls their phone, right? So that way you can order parts for you or your family member, have it delivered, have a tutorial of how to install it. There's certain, there's a lot of parts that people can do themselves. Uh, air filters, for example, wiper blades, uh, door actuators for AC control, just tons of parts. So we're focusing on the top 10 most popular cars that are on the road right now and the top 10 most popular parts that are replaced. And what separates us from other suppliers is that, first of all, the customer experience, right? We have artificial intelligence that allows people to take a picture of their car and it'll decode the make and model where you can do a traditional drop down, select it. And then the parts that we carry are all name brand parts like Hitachi, Denso, AC Delco, Ford Motorcraft parts, right? And our price structure can't be beaten. So we beat eBay, Amazon, local parts suppliers like wow. AutoZone. And again, our parts are first tier, right? So these are original equipment parts, name brand parts, not things that you can get from AutoZone or from China. And another thing that we should really consider is that if COVID taught us anything, foreign trade is getting very fragile and so is foreign relationships. So most of our parts come out of anywhere but China. So we have the quality parts, we have 4 million parts in stock, 27 distribution centers, making sure that you can get that part delivered within 48 hours. So we're on a very good path for success. And I'm really excited about the next couple months. I think it's incredible how you pivoted to from this B2B model to now you can track mechanics and the do-it-yourselfer. So you're really giving that power back to the people, if you will. I mean, you're probably not doing videos on how to do an engine swap or something. I don't know. Maybe you are. But like you said, a lot of that maintenance is stuff that these people can do on their own. So not only do they get discounted parts, but there's tutorials, there's videos, there's a community around it that you're creating to really empower people to maintain, to your point, often the second most biggest purchase mm-hmm. in their life. And that's their vehicle. So absolutely incredible. Stan, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story. And as we wrap this up, there's four questions I like to ask every guest that's been on the show. And the first one being is, what is one absolute book recommendation for those looking to scale and further develop their millionaire mind? Yeah, I'd love to add two if that's okay. Please. Personal favorite is Zero to One by Peter Thiel. Anyone that's starting a company, you're in your early stages. What does it take to get from that point of zero to one? It's a fantastic book. And then the other is The Purple Cow by Seth Godin. And that really has to do with the fact of what are you creating that's so much different and how are you going to stand out, right? So everyone knows black and white cow, but when you see a purple cow, that is forever ingrained in your head. So be the purple cow, make something completely different, and you should find success. Awesome. Great recommendations. Stan, what has been one of your favorite quotes that you've embodied and lived by? A quote that lives rent-free in my head is, this too shall pass. And the reason why that is forever ingrained in my head is that it reminds me on both good moments and bad moments. So when you have a good moment, remember that this too shall pass and you want to hold on to it even longer. And when you have a negative moment, remind yourself that this too shall pass and tomorrow's another day. If only 
entrepreneurship and business was sunshines and rainbows all day, every day, right? It is one of the most challenging things that I think any business owner could attest to, but they also want to trade it for anything because of those good moments, because of those bad moments. It really helps shape them and help them become who they are today. So well said. So Stan, if there was one thing you could share with fellow business owners that are beginning or simply trying to get to that next level, what would it be? So for me, coming from the software side of the world, it's such an important factor to have technical founder. So a CTO as a business partner, because the last thing you want to do is outsource all your technical resources. So it's vital to have a member of the founding team who is technically inclined, a CTO. Excellent. And for those that are considering software or anything in the space, I think that's very solid, very solid advice. Stan, how can our listeners learn more about you or Parts Pass? Where would you like yeah, to check, send check us out on Instagram? You can find me at stan.founder and be sure to follow us on Instagram at partspass.app. And if people wanted to download the app, you said you're on iOS and Android, correct? Correct. So we are available on both. Hopefully by the end of Q1, you'll be able to do a search on our website as well. We're making some great changes in the next couple of weeks, updating our user interface, which is pretty exciting as well. Awesome. Look, this has been an incredible conversation with Stan. And if this is your first time listening, I'm so glad that you tuned in. People have been asking me what my company does. So since I have you here listening to my show, I'll share that with you now. So my company partners with busy professionals just like Stan that are looking to experience significant tax savings, have more to invest, and even reinvest their hard-earned capital. And we work with other successful business owners like you by offering them opportunities to invest alongside us in large apartment deals. At Rev Equity Group, we have found that most successful business owners have a strong desire to give and to serve. And we simply provide a vehicle to enable them to grow and preserve their wealth so they can give up their time and financial success more abundantly and freely. If you've been frustrated with the stock market, want to grow capital in something you can actually touch and see and invest in one of the most recession-resilient asset classes, then you can find out how I could serve you by visiting investwithrev.com forward slash resources. It can be overwhelming vetting the right investment and the right operator. But at Rev, we make apartment investing easy. Stan, again, thank you so much for coming on the show and just sharing with us your journey. Like It's humbling. It's really cool to hear someone's upbringing and being a fellow New Yorker myself. I don't claim the city. I'm upstate. But uh, it was just super cool to hear your story and your experience and how it's really led you to where you are today. So thank you for inviting myself and our listeners into your journey. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And to our listener, remember, you can't have a million dollar dream with a minimum wage work ethic. So go out there and earn your win for today. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Hope you got value from this episode of The Millionaire Mind, a journey into the mindset of successful business owners. If you want to get results, you've got to take the right steps to get there. Dallin hosts a free weekly educational webinar focused on teaching you how to start investing in apartments so you too can experience the benefits of real estate ownership without doing any of the heavy lifting. There you can gain insights, connect with others like you, and ask Dallin all your burning questions about how you can start owning apartments today. Go to themillionairemind.us. That link is in the show notes.